What's up, everybody? Super excited to tell you about my course. You guys, it's online. Take it by yourself. Take it with your friends. We talk about all things challenging kids from motivation to discipline to classroom management. It is all there. It is with me. There are modules so you can do it on your own time at your own pace. Check it out. BrianMendler.com right now. See my course there. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the Brian Mendler Show. Introducing your host, fighting for kids everywhere, Brian, that one kid, Mendler. What is up, everybody? Brian Mendler back in your life on another edition of the podcast. And I am super excited today <laughs> to be joined by my friend, my man, the great coach DJ Davis from Monroe, Louisiana. What's up, my man? It's good yes, to sir. See you. Yes, sir. Yes, <laughs> sir. Brian, man, look, I'm, I'm stoked, man. It's a, a beautiful Saturday morning. What other way to get the morning started? With get not with you just starting this morning, like your shirt say, man, we both blessed, man. Blessed. How you been? It's good to man, see I, you. I've been, I've been good, been good, man. You know, we got our spring break last week and jumped right back in and got about four more days of grind and work and we'll be out again for another day. So just, we, we getting closer and closer. Yeah. Feeling people racing toward the finish line. I mean, I, you know, I know a lot of people are tired. A lot of people are frustrated, but as a coach, right? Yes, I mean, sir. The, the goal is you got to sprint through that finish line, right? Look, it's it's interesting. You said it. I told my staff two days ago, I told them we're in that 1600 meter. We're literally in that last 100 meters coming around that corner. We just got to continue to push and I believe we'll make it. No doubt. So you're an assistant principal over there at Riser Middle School. Tell me a little bit about how you got into this whole thing. Man, look, I've been at Riser Middle School uh, this going into my 13th year. And when I first got into education, I was uh, what they considered an alternative. I took the alternative route, started out, you know, got out of college, went the corporate America way for some years. And around 2011, I just kept a, a, a pull. I kept feeling like I was missing something. I always worked with kids, but was doing it like on the side, you know, peewee coaching, you know, mentoring kids in my in my community, things of that nature. So in 2011, I took a stab at this education thing as a long term sub. And, and like I tell a lot of people and I joke about it, I was the sub, Brian, that they would call when the subs couldn't make it. So they tell you how low on the totem pole I was. <laughs> And so, you know, fast forward a couple of degrees later, assistant principal. How do you go from the person that you're filling in for the subs? How do you go from that to being where you are now? Well, well, great thing about the dynamic of me being at Rising Middle School is I grew up in that community. Once I began filling in for those subs, the community, the parents, the, the students, they recognized me. They knew me or they remembered me when I played football at Riles. They remember me when I played football at West Monroe. So uh, I started building stronger relationships. A lot of the faculty realized the connections that I had. So a lot of the faculty members were requesting that hey, well, I'm going to be out for a couple of days. Could you get Coach DJ to come back? Mm -hmm. And so it began to look from filling in for the subs till, hey, could you work for a week for such and such? Or could you, we got a, a leap remediation program that's going to last three weeks. Could you, could you help us with that? 
So over time, Brian, I started noticing I went from the sub that was filling in for the sub to, you know, three week assignments, six weeks assignments, you know, and then to the point where for the rest of that year, I was just a permanent fixture on campus. And so my mentor, my current boss and my mentor in education, uh, Rodney Lord, he always was, would tell me, look, if this is something you really want to do, I believe I can I can get you where you want to go. And so once at the end of 2011, it's funny, at the end of 2011, I started out as a sub that was filling in for the subs. And, and then my the last six weeks of the year, I was the art teacher. Uh, we had an art... We had an art teacher that left to go, you know, build a business or actually open up a, a, a series of pizzerias. And so the last six or seven weeks of school, they needed an art teacher. So guess what? Hey, we got Coach DJ on campus. Do you, you, you think you can teach some art? Sure. Why not? So we go in and, 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 and not to toot my own horn. I can draw a little bit. I can dabble a little bit in, in painting. And, and, and so we went in and for six weeks. We did our thing. And so. It, it inspired me, number one, because I saw the impact that I was able to have on the young people. I mean, it was just, it was just fun being able to come in every day and, and those dynamics, those relationships that we built. So going into the summer of 2011, I really dove into the ideal of, hey, what would it be like if I was a certified teacher? And so being a non-education background I, I discovered that you could go the alternative route, which was about an 18 month process. So jumped into that alternative program. I had I mean, had so much support from from faculty, administration at the time. And so I just went full speed and, you know, my, my family supported everything that, that I did at the time. And so going into 2012 was my first time actually having my uh, my own classroom. I was certified and I got certified in science. And so for three years, from 2012 up to 15, I was teaching science and coaching football. And and uh, history would have it that in between 12 and 15, the head coach had some health issues. So they would say, look, would you like to be the head football coach as well? So now here it is. I'm not only am I teach, I'm, I'm, I'm a brand new teacher. I'm a brand new head football coach. And so uh, and, and not only that, let me add. Uh, I was also teaching two grades. So I was I had two preps in school to get my certification, my master's in teaching, and I was the head football coach. So looking back on that little three or four year stretch, it's almost mind boggling that I was able to complete those tasks. But but Brian, what what was the the big picture was knowing that I could make an impact not only on 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 students, but I started noticing that that a lot of the faculty and staff were excited about me being around and they would come to me just for just tips, motivation. And how do you work with this kid? Do you know, you know, it was like, Hey, do you know little Johnny? Yeah, yeah, I know him. Yeah. I mean, his brother went to school together. Well, what's going on with him? How can I? And so having that inside connect with the community, you know, being from the quote unquote hood gave me somewhat of an advantage when it, when it came to dealing with the students. And so after about, you know, my, my whole time I was teaching, you know, and coaching, I knew that I was going to be working toward administration. So the end goal is always, once I got into the classroom, Rodney, Mr. Lord, his, his thing was you could be a great administrator. Mm. If that's what you want to do, now I ain't, I ain't going to push it on you, but if that's what you want to do, you could be a great administrator. And so once I got into that master's of teaching program, I knew 
that, that, that this was just the end to the, you know to get to the means the means to get to the end. I have to go through this three or four or five year process of being in the classroom with the with the ultimate goal of being an administrator. You said that you quote unquote grew up in the hood. What was your childhood like? Um, you know, I, I grew up in a blended uh, a blended family where you know my mom was a single mom, me and my sister, and uh, we we lived with my grandma, which was my mom's mom, and we were we were we were right there at the perimeter of the neighborhood where. A lot of people laugh when I say this. You know, we were you could you could ride horses, kill a hog, play basketball, but you were like nine minutes away from any convenience store, Walmart, K, you know, you know anything that you had wanted access to. So it was it was it was you know good fun. I mean, it wasn't the shoot 'em up, bang bang hood, but it was the hey we. We like the crawfish. We like the, you know, uh, you know, play in ditches. You know, play in the in the bayou. We had a upbringing that was a pretty modest upbringing. Was your dad not there? Do you know him? I knew who he was. I know who he is. But it wasn't until, um, you know, honestly, man, I was probably in my mid thirties before, you know, me and my dad actually had that sit down, man to man kind of conversation mm-hmm. as to what challenges and stuff he had. That, that prevented him or he felt prevented him for being in my life, you know? So I knew who he was coming up was seeing him, you know, Hey, what's up, you know, pops, et cetera, et cetera. But it was, there was no true connection at that time. And that connection didn't even click or, or make sense until I was 35 years old. Which how was did my, that go? How, it, how it, did went, that? it went, it went well. It went well. I mean, it was, it was emotional, you know, it was yeah, an I'm emotional, sure. emotional situation because, you know, you know, at that at thirty five years old, Brian, I had already had. You know, my daughter was was a teenager. You know, I had a son that was uh, in, in elementary. So, you know, here here it is now. This opportunity for my my children to have a chance to really get get an opportunity to know who their granddad is, and 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 like I say, that was ten years ago, and we're still, you know, just every every time you get a chance to talk, it's, it's we're learning more and more about you know who we are. So what did you learn sort of growing up the way you did that you've taken now with you in, in the role that you have? I, I think one of the biggest components uh, that I that I took is that we the we can only the, the the things that we believe can hold us back are probably not as significant as we think they are. Mm. Uh, I mean, I, I bump into a lot of young people, you know, even, you know, when That's I was a young. Point. That's yeah. a great point. Just say that again, because I, I think. <laughs> I think that needs to marinate a little bit, like yeah. what you just said. It's, it's well, a great, and I think that's not just true for kids, right? That's true. Yeah. I'm thinking about my own life when you say well, that, and the things that I think are significant aren't. But you yeah, said yeah, it way yeah, better. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the thing, <laughs> the things that we believe, or the excuses that we can make that we believe we hold us back are really not holding us back. And what I mean by that is, I think about me coming up as a young young male, black male. You know, you, you statistically speaking, Brian, I'm not supposed to be in a 2200 square foot home, married and still married. You know, 22 years later, I'm not supposed to be in, a, in a, an assistant principal in, in, in the process of becoming a, a principal based off just who I am. Statistically speaking, a black male, single parent home, grew up in the hood. Those four things right there. You check those four things off in most cases. I'm I'm a dope dealer. I'm in jail. Or I, I, I I'm I'm in the system, or I've been in the system. Statistically, Man, statistically, right? Yeah. And so, so I look back at my life, and I look back 
at, at some of the challenges that I did have. And I could have easily used the fact that my dad is not in my life. I could have easily used the fact that my mom couldn't afford to get me this. So he, she couldn't do this. Uh, or, or I live in this kind of house. So I got to, you know, share a room with, with, a, with my cousin. Or I got to share a room with my uncle whenever he's not in jail. You know what I'm saying? I could have yep. taken all of those components and put them together and made, made an excuse to say, hey, I can do this because of this. But... I, I believe I've proven that you don't have to. And so yeah. I take I take that component and I use it to help develop, you know, other people, like you say, adults, young people, because I see the same kids coming through Rising Middle School that remind me of me, you know. Mm. And so and, 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 and I know times have changed and blah, blah, blah. But in <laughs> the, the, the crux of the matter is what has happened before always happens again. No, there's nothing new under the sun. And so I I like to be able to use the fact that, hey, don't allow the things that you believe could hold you back to hold you back. Because in in, in the essence, they're really, truly not as significant as you think they are. I totally agree. But I feel like that's easier said than done. It's easy to make excuses, right? Like That's the easy thing to do. So as a leader, what do you do when you start hearing kids talk like that or even adults talk like that where you feel like that's what they're doing? How do you approach them and specifically try to turn them around so that really they're not making excuses? Well, well, well. Uh, what I've learned over the years is sometimes you have to, and I, and I, and I, and I picked this up too, Brian, from, from being in sales. Before I got into education, I spent six, seven, eight years in sales and, and and sometimes what I have to do, even with 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 faculty, with staff, is you have to ask the right you have to ask the right questions. Mm. Sometimes if, if I tell you, and I, I'm using it as an example, I, I mm. sold, I, I, I had an insurance business. I ran insurance business for years uh, before education. Mm. And one of the things that 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 we were taught or we learned is that if I tell Brian Miller he needs to save money, and, and I'm a man, I'm a grown man telling another grown man. He has to save money. That that doesn't go well with a grown man having another grown man to tell him he needs to save money. Even though we're looking at your financial data sheets and it shows that she, you don't have any money saved, right? But if I ask the right questions and I ask Brian, you know, you know, what what do you feel? How do you feel about saving money? And do you believe and do and, and now if I get you to say yes, I need to save money and how much you need to save. Now guess what? You believe it more because it's you saying it versus me. No, so, no. so, so when I deal with young people and I deal with faculty, deal with staff, sometimes it's about asking the right questions. Yeah. And so, me instead of me telling, uh, you know, little Johnny that he needs to behave or or you you don't need to do it that way because you this this, I ask him say, do you believe that you have the ability to be better? Do you believe? And so now when they're saying, yes, I do, and and yes, I can, or mm-hmm. no, I don't, or whatever. It's more relevant. It's more believable. And then you can take that and add some examples. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear. Yeah. You know, you may have a testimony. Yeah. You may have a story. But sometimes people don't can't relate to Coach DJ's story uh, of being a 16 year old kid working with kids. You know, I first started working with young people. Brian, I was 16 and I, I was over, you know, 10 and 11 year old year, 10 and 11 year olds. At, at the local bars and gov clubs and things in the community. So I was young working with kids. But but some people don't want to hear your story. But if you can get them to see that they have their own story, yep. 
boom, we can, yep. work, we can go with it. Yeah. One of the most important strategies that I teach teachers in my workshops is, especially with defiant kids, like defiant oppositional kids who like to argue is if you're not sure what questions to ask, just pick a day. And for the whole day, from the minute you wake up in the morning until the minute you go to bed at night, no matter what anyone does, no matter what anyone says, you're only allowed to use questions for one full day and see what happens. Right. Because the truth is questions can't be argued. Right. So I said, sit down. No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Boom. Right. We're in a power struggle. Right. Yes, that's Versus, correct. Hey, come here. Can I talk to you real quick, buddy? Can you please explain to me why you think it's okay to stand instead of sit right now? Like, I'm just curious. Why do you think that's an okay thing to do? Or right. instead of, right, this is what I hear all the time in schools. We don't talk to adults like that. I'll talk to you however I want. No, you won't. Yes, I will. No, you right. <laughs> Boom. Explosion, yep. right? Yep. Instead, it becomes, hey, come here. I'm just curious. Could you please tell me where in your life have you learned to talk to adults like that? Like, I was just wondering if you don't mind telling me who in your life talks to people that way, where you yeah. think that's an okay way to talk to me. Cause right. I know that's not you talking in there. Who is talking in there? Do you want to tell me? Like, notice how by using a question, I disarm the argument, right? That's, so that's on right. top of taking away the excuse, right. you take away the argument, which is such a powerful thing to do. Major, major key. That's a major key, major key. It, it's not easy. It's not easy, right? But nah. you pick one day and all day. Mr. Mendler, what? What's the homework going to be? I don't know. What do y'all think it should be? You think it should be 10 problems, 15 problems? How about I give you 20 problems and you pick whichever five you want? What do you think about that? Mr. What? Mendler, what? What's the consequence going to be if I break that rule? I don't know. That's a good question. What's what are you it going to take to get you to stop calling people names? I mean, you and I both know the first 10 things I've tried this year haven't worked. Do you have any ideas for me? Right? Like, Notice how when I use right. the question, right, right, I get the kid thinking internally, which is exactly what we're trying to do. That's a good one with spouses too, right? Honey, where oh, yeah. do you want to go for dinner tonight? Good question. Where would you like to go? Right? And usually they answer almost every time. Right, so right. <laughs> Hey, ain't nothing like a good question, man. I promise you. I promise you. I know. And it gives it gives it gives the person that you're asking some form of uh, ownership. Uh, it yes. gives the person gives them a little power too, especially in That's a right. situation where, for me as a disciplinarian, assistant principal, etc., you know, sometimes giving that child that oh wow, coach is giving me a chance to be like the uh, quote unquote adult in this scenario. Right. They'll take advantage of. It. That's right. And you said the word power, right? Which is like gives them a little bit of power, a little bit of control, right? Like yeah, those yeah. two things, kids are seeking those two things. And they're often seeking them because usually in their life, they feel out of control. That's right? correct. That's so, correct. So they don't have any control in their life. And so if I talk back, right, if, I, if I'm defiant in class, it gives me that feeling of, okay, there's something I can be in charge of, which is often the reason that they're doing it. And so when we can fill that need in another way, Oftentimes, right, we, we get the results that we're looking for. Yeah, it, it gives it reminds me of an example years ago, years ago. My son, he at the time had to be maybe six, maybe five or six years old, and we had it we had a, a Rottweiler puppy, which the the Rottweiler puppy were, fell in between him and my daughter, then me and my wife. So he was trying to find his place to put the dog was. And so he he realized that out of everybody in the house. I think I can bump up against JD 
And because I got to find somewhere where I can got a little control because I can't do the uh, D like that. I can't do DJ. I can't do. And so we would notice that the, the puppy would find a way to always, when, it, when we're together, bump up against my son because my son was the smallest. So, so your son is JD. I didn't know who JD was. Yeah, yeah. My son, right. my son so you're is yeah. DJ, and your son is JD. Yeah, that's correct. All right, all that's right. correct. Yeah. So that's my cool. son, he would he would that's find cool. a way to bump up against him, or just basically was bullying him in a way not not really aggressive, but say wanting to say, hey, look, I want to be able to know that in this family, I got me some control somewhere. And so that's that small example is even relevant in the classroom. Just relevant. It, it really even in society everywhere. Everywhere, everywhere. And that's the goal as a teacher, right? So homework, there's two places that I think are really easy to do this, and that's homework and consequences. I see homework and consequences as nothing more than a vehicle to a destination. The destination's not negotiable, right? You're going right. to stop calling people names. That's going to happen. Yeah. You're not going to put your hands on anybody anymore. Right. How we get there, I don't really care, right? If you right. want to walk and you want to run and you want to ride a bike and you want to fly in an airplane, doesn't matter to me. The right. only thing that matters is how we get there. And the truth is, I'd rather usually you pick the vehicle because if you pick it and it breaks down, then we blame you, not me, right? Now, yeah. you're, you're the one who told me. If I didn't call your mom, <laughs> the behavior would improve tomorrow. And it didn't. Are you saying that you can't keep your word? Are you saying that I can't trust you? Notice how now I'm no longer annoyed at the kid because they didn't do their work or they were inappropriate. Yeah, right. I'm annoyed that you didn't keep your word. Yeah, you, you told yeah. me yesterday this was going to work and yeah. now I can't trust you. What's up with that? And most kids that I've found, actually, their word matters to them. It does. It does. It does. And, they, and some, some of them mostly are disappointed. They become disappointed when they have disappointed. Majority of the kids we work with, when they realize they've disappointed you or an adult, they they it, you can tell, and and they, and they really it really bothers them. Right. As long as you've built that connection with them. So how do you do that? Like you're an incredible relationship builder. I, I mean, I, you dance and you sing and you high five everybody, and you're always present, right? Always yep. out there, and you know talking to people. And is that really it, or is there anything else that goes along with it? That's the majority of it, but I think. I think that being showing genuine in, in, in certain times you have to show genuine concern because you can hop around, you can slide around, you can high five, you can flip, you can sing, talk loud. But there's going to be a moment in time where you're going to have to show a kid or even let's, I mean, show a faculty member, you know, that, hey, I'm, I'm truly concerned about where you're headed. Give me some ideas, some things that I can do to help you get to where you want to go. And so, so the so the essence of everything that I try to do is is being relatable and relational. And I don't even know if relational is a word, but I, I like how it sounds. That's all right. You can invent <laughs> words. You can invent words. So but, relatable and relationable. So relatable meaning what? Like that that people can can say, oh, I can relate with DJ because he, you know, he or he relates with us, you know, or, or vice versa. You know, yeah. you know, I I try my best even in. Even most of it, you think about some of the music that's out right now. I, I grew up in music. I used to be, before I got out of college, I was a big music guy. I mean, I traveled. I did shows. I rapped. I did albums, CDs, everything. And even though the times have changed musically, I still try to put myself in a position right. to put an ear to what's out there. Because even sometimes in the hallway, right. when, I'm, when kids are changing classes, 
I might drop a, a line out of a song that may relate to a situation yeah. that's going on, you know, and all the kids are giggling and laughing. Coach, what you know about that? What you know about that? You know? And right. so, so little, little dynamics like that, you know, that you try yeah, to, and you, and it's not fake. I'm not just faking. I really do. Right. I really am a music Same. person. Yeah. yeah you know yeah. what I'm saying? And so, of course. Yeah. And, so. and, and the thing is, I think though, even if you're not right, which, which me too. Right. So there's certain topics that like sports, I'm good because I love right. it anyway, right? right? Music, I'm usually pretty good because I love right. it anyway, right? right? There's some other ones though, like video games. That's one. I'm not really a video game player, but there's sometimes I have to learn about certain video games. Yeah, true. That's what the kid is into. And like, yep. and I think that's the most important component is the, is the fact that it's sort of like they're in their world, right? And I feel like what happens in so many classrooms is the teacher's in their world, the kid is in their world, right? And the teacher is trying to get the kid to come over, right? It's like, right. I got my math over here in my world. Come over to my world and learn it. And the kid's, <laughs> kid's kind of like, yeah, I don't really feel like going anywhere, though. Like, I, I, I'm like, kind of, I want to hang out here. Like, can't you right. bring the math? Like, bring the math to me. Like, and that's kind of the world they're growing up in, right? Like, that's true. This is a world of Amazon where, like, I don't have to leave this chair and I can yeah. swipe and the toothpaste is at my door, right? Right. Right, right. Like Grubhub or Uber Eats, like it's this world where you have to bring it to me, right? Yeah. And so the way to do that is to know what the kid loves. Oh, the kid loves sports. Kid loves music. The kid loves YouTube, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, you love YouTube. I'm trying to teach fractions. Hey, you know who Mr. Beast is? Mr. Beast is like the most popular YouTuber that there. He's got 90 million subscribers. Yeah, he made yeah. 53 million dollars last year on YouTube. Let's talk about how you get paid. Because you know that you make like an eighth of a cent per click, right? On every video you do, doesn't sound like much, but let's talk about what's an eighth real yeah. quick. You guys know what an eighth is, right? Boom. Now, look at, see, instead of get off YouTube, put YouTube away, enough with the YouTube, it's let me come over and hang out with you, like, and see what YouTube is all about, and then take my math, like, kind of look back at my world and be yeah, like, well, yeah. I got stuff over there. But the, yeah. what's interesting about kids, I feel like, is Kids don't hang out where we do, right? Like, oh, no. They don't go to the same movies. They don't go to the same restaurants. They don't hang out on the same websites. They're nope. on different social media channels. Why? Because they don't go where their parents are. And usually when you go to where they are, you realize it's cooler. Like it's, it's yeah. actually yeah. better. Like yeah. you're all, yeah. that's why you go to that website because yeah. you can do this and this and this. We can only do this on ours. And so all the while you're over there, you're glancing back thinking, what can I bring? Like, what do I have that I'm trying to teach them? Oh, I got to teach adjectives and adverbs and what a sentence is. Let's look at your YouTube video and check out the description. I know you love YouTube so much. Yeah. See in a description, you got to write a full essay, basically, right? right? Yeah, it's that's got true. three paragraphs. Let's break down the paragraph. Right? Now, no longer are we talking about YouTube, right? We're yeah. talking about, or no longer are we talking about writing. We're talking about YouTube, yeah. Of course I'm mixing in the writing, right? Yeah, right. But right, that right, only right. comes from what you said, which is I have to be relatable. I have to be able to know where they are, know yeah. what they like, and then go hang out over in their world. Yeah. And and one and once once you get over into their world, they have to like you. I mean, like, because we can we can jump over in there and they still just don't like you. Well, I mean, and, and, and what I mean by that is they gotta it got, has to be the relationship part creates the comfortableness, right? Because if you if they are not comfortable, you can be in their world and they're still, uh, uh, hey, yes, ma'am, yes. It's still not like everybody just relax and say, hey, 
let's talk about this. You know, and I, and, I, and once the, the, the most of the kids, 80 percent of the kids that we deal with. And I say we meaning just across educational spectrum, 80 percent of them have challenges building relationships because they're not they're, they're, it's not taught. Right. It's not taught. Right. You right. Know, hugging, hugging, saying I love you, talking about how your day went. Being able to give give advice to, like you said, what, what hey guys, what y'all want to where y'all want to go this weekend? What y'all want to eat tonight? Eighty percent of the kids, Brian, don't have that option. Is look, go in there, and you better get them that seal and sit down and shut up somewhere. You know, uh, it's it's no relationship. It's that it's not talk, and so we have to be able to figure out how we can do That's that. Right. And it's easy once you. Make it intentional. A practical slash specific that people can do is they can be vulnerable, right? So I think one of the ways to get kids sort of hooked to you, right? So like you go to their world and then to hook them to you is to let them know your struggles. Like let them know where you come from. Let them know things that you battled with in your life. You know, I talk about all the time in my workshops, growing up as a kid who struggled with reading, severe ADHD, in addiction recovery, like all of those things, right, would hook kids to me because- like they would come in, right? And and I would do a homework assignment every Monday. It was the same. It never changed the whole year. Their assignment on Monday was they were required to come in on Tuesday and ask me how my recovery meeting went Monday night. Right. That was right. it. No other responsibility but to take care of me, right? And flipping the roles because 95% of the time I was taking care of them, right? My job as the educator is to take care of kids. That's, That's what right. we do, right? Yeah, right? But when you can flip that and get the helped, right? The kid who's always being helped to become the helper, you often see a change in kids like no other. And so what would happen is Tuesdays was always my favorite day to teach because kids would walk in, right? Yeah. And from literally like 15 different angles, I'd hear, Mr. Mellon, did you go to your meeting last night? Hey, Mr. Mellon, did you go to your meeting last night? And then I would tell him, listen, if somebody asked, did you go to your meeting last night? And I say, yes, you still are required to ask, but you got to ask a little differently. Right. So like kids would say, Mr. Mendler, how many people were at your meeting last night? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Mr. Mendler, is there anything you learned at your meeting last night that you could teach us? Like and then like what that always led to was like later on. Right. And this happens all the time in my workshops, all the time, every single time I I talk about being in addiction recovery during the break. Somebody comes up to me in in my ear. Ten years clean for me. Two years clean for me. And my students would, wow. Mr. Mellner, my grandma, man, she's a mess. You think you could help her? Mr. Wow. Mellner, my cousin, man, he's a disaster. I've seen him. Is there anything you could do for him? One time I had a kid say, Mr. Mellner, me, could you help me? Look, I mean, the point is when wow. you're vulnerable and you create an environment where vulnerability is good, you get other people to do the same. And once that happens, boom, they're hooked to you. That's the quickest way to hook people. But it's hard. It's yeah, hard to yeah, do, right? Yeah. Especially, especially coming from the generation, and, and I think me and you, we're close in age. Coming from the generation uh, of educators that we had, we, we, you just didn't, there, there was always this, this, this veil of, like you said, teacher world, student world. And yeah. you, I dare you come across into the teacher world you know i think about now when they when they print out sheets and stuff for the kids we didn't even know what our teacher's first name was back in the day you know what i mean it was miss, miss johnson it's and true yeah, you don't don't, you don't worry about nothing else miss johnson now you get all the like so the report cards and the 
So whatever with the teacher first name, because my, my real name is De Janeiro, right? So when I first got into becoming a, a real teacher or a certified in my own classroom, the kids like, what is that first name? What is that? So now I have to I have to open up to explain to them, you know, how did I get my first name? And it's like it was a little uncomfortable because I'm thinking like, you know, I'm coming from a generation where you don't know, you don't ask teachers about their first name and and this, and you don't. You don't inquire about right. that. Back in the day, back I in the know. day, I know, you, man. There was no way you can you you didn't know where teachers lived. I you know. didn't know none of that. So it's it, it's a challenge, but <laughs> it's something that has to be overcome because we have to create that that opportunity to them for for them to feel comfortable coming into our space and vice versa. And I think, though, for me, that's part of why I did struggle with a lot of teachers, because I didn't know them. And I was a kid who, if you connected with me first. So for me, right, I I always believe that as a kid, like you have to show me that you care more about me than you do about anything you're trying to teach me. Right. Right. So you're trying to teach me something. Fine. Okay. Right. You're trying to teach me something. But do you care more about what you're trying to teach or do you care more about me? Right. Right. Which one? And because it's not both. (laughs) It's not both, right? The age old question, right? Do you kick out the kid because they got in the way of your content or do you kick out the content because it's in the way of the kids, right? Wow. I mean, every teacher <laughs> in the world kicks something out of class every day. Oh, yeah. The question is, which one do you remove? Us special ed teachers kick out content all the time because the truth is we don't really like it anyway. Like, yeah. I didn't go into teaching because I like Shakespeare. <laughs> like, I'll put up with it. Yeah, you know what I'm but, saying? Like, yeah. like, I'll do my best at it, but it's not why I'm here. So, yeah. like, if you give me the option of Shakespeare or please and thank you, Shakespeare, please and thank you. I'm going with the please and thank you. Yeah, see you later, Shakespeare. Why these kids don't know how to say please and thank you? And Look, I got to teach them, right? <laughs> hey, hey, Shakespeare was Shakespeare was not the <laughs> most favorite even when – Back in high school, so you so imagine being a teacher and coming across it and be like, hey, uh, okay, guys, today we're gonna learn, we're gonna write our own poems today. How I about know. that? But if you're there, right? If your mindset as the teacher is, I'm here to teach math, dang it. Like that's what I'm here for. That's what they pay me for. Well, you're gonna struggle with a certain group of kids because yeah. there's a bunch of kids that are like, Yeah, well, you might be here to teach math, but I didn't say I was here to learn math. Yeah, right? right. Like, right, like right. that's like I'm here to hang out. I'm here to eat. I'm here, I'm here to say hello to people. I'm here to 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 get a high five mm-hmm, from a from mm-hmm. a person, right? I'm not necessarily here to learn math. And so the the goal is being able and having that willingness and that skill right. to just boom dive into their world. It's interesting you say that. Teacher says I'm here to teach math. Student says I'm here to be- become socially better because <laughs> right. I, I have to no drive you nuts. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so we it's, it's it's that ebb and flow every day, every year, determining. Okay, yeah, I do have some things that I have to accomplish as a, as an educator, but then I have to also keep in mind. There are some things that the student wants to accomplish as well, and it may not be exactly what I want to accomplish. So let's look at the in-between, because like you mentioned, you know, you have some kids whose sole purpose to come to school is not to cause problems, but they come in because I don't get hugs at home. I don't get, hey, how you doing at home? I don't get that. So I need to get to school ASAP because I want to hug my teachers. I want to smile at my friends. I want to be in a in a in a warm classroom. So, so math is important to me, but if you, if I had to write it down on a list of priorities, math is number nine (laughs) and everything else is better than math. When a teacher 
math may be number one. So now that's you're right. definitely going to have a conflict. And that's fine. Like, like math can sort of be number one in your head. Like in your mind, the thought is, right, I have to teach them math. Then the question becomes, but how do I do it, right? So there's two things that sort of live at the same time in education, right? Yeah. There's, there's the thing called what I'm supposed to teach, which as a teacher comes from everybody but me, right? Like I never had a say of <laughs> what I was supposed to teach, at right? All, at all, right? No, it came from all. administrators, came from the state. I don't even yeah. know where it came from okay, half hey, the time, hey, right? Okay. Right. Right. And so that, but that, that was a real thing. And I think what happens with what I'm supposed to teach is that causes a lot of stress and anxiety on teachers because they're like, man, I got this stuff. I'm being told to teach this or in some places, right? I got to be like at a specific place at a, at specific, a specific time. time. Yeah. If I'm not right, I'm going to get rated yeah. down. And right, that's a lot of pressure. That's it. And then that's what's it. happening, what's living at the same time. So that's one thing and it's, and it's causing all that chaos, right? But at the same time, what's living is there's this other thing called what kids need to learn, right? So there's what I'm supposed to teach over here. Then there's what kids need to learn over here. And what I think is teaching is, I don't think teaching's ever easy, but I think it's at its easiest, right? When those two things line up, right? Oh, yeah. What, I'm, what, oh, yeah. I, what I'm, I'm supposed to teach is also what kids need to learn. The problem right now, though, in our country and society right. is right. what I'm supposed to teach is in New York. What they need to learn is in LA and the teachers are getting caught in Nebraska, right? <laughs> right? They're getting yanked because they're like, well, I'm supposed to be teaching them three plus three. I know, but they don't know how to disagree with each other appropriately. I know, but I'm supposed to be teaching them three plus three. I know, but did you see that kid walked in and that one looked at him funny? And right. That was like, man, what the F are you looking at? And that yeah. one goes, shut the F up, B. And that one was like, no, yo, you shut the F up. And yeah. next thing you know, I'm breaking up a fight, right? Yeah. Because, and you're telling me I'm supposed to teach three plus three, right? Yeah. And so yeah. what happens is that's the tired, right? When you hear teachers talk about teacher burnout, teacher tired, I think what that is, is when you break it down, it's that pull, it's right? The tension. It's, it's the tension. Well, it's, it's that being torn between when I'm supposed to do this and I feel the instinct to do that. And when you're a teacher, right? Most teachers are rule followers, right? Yeah, In general, yeah, most yeah. teachers are rule followers, meaning they went to school, they followed the rules, they liked school, right? right. School is a good place for them. They, they right. usually do what they're told, right? So they're told to do something. Their instinct is telling them to do something else. And that's a battle, right? And oh, what yeah. I always say to teachers is anytime you ever feel that, if you ever feel that pull, Always go with what you believe the kids need over what you're supposed to. And right. trust, trust the process that by giving them what they need, it will lead you back to where you're yeah. supposed to yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. They yeah. have to see that as the path. The path back to supposed to goes through need. Follow what I'm saying? Oh, man, that's, that, that's dope. That's a, that's a dope way right. to think about and it. When, when you see it that way, then you're no longer afraid to go with what they need. It's like in sports, right? Like, yeah, I'm the quarterback. You're the coach, right? I'm in the game, right? So we work together. You call a play and I call the play in the huddle, but then I get to the line of scrimmage, right? And like, well, the play was supposed to go left. We planned it to go left. Yeah. It went left all week, right? It worked going left, right? Then you get to the ice, you're like, uh-oh. Nah, yeah, yeah, box, yeah. Right? Check, check, right? check, check. And it, it, but the question <laughs> is, does the quarterback have the confidence to audible? Right. Right? Because... What's the safe play? The safe yeah. play is run it into the line. Well, then I can't get in trouble. Well, then coach won't be mad because coach called that play. That's the play so it'll be on him, right? Right. Or do you have the ability? I don't give a shit what coach called right now. Go deep, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, and the kid's like, I thought we were running the ball. No, go, just go deep. Run as fast right. as you can. I'm going to throw it as far as I can. You better catch it or we're going to look bad, right? And, like, do you have the confidence 
to be willing to do that. And I think it's important for administrators to instill that confidence in teachers. Yeah, Basically, and, the, the, the yeah. message to a teacher has to be, if you audible and you throw a pick six, I'm going to applaud you for the willingness to audible. And, and, and that's what I was about to get ready to say. Using that analogy, administration, coaching, we know we're talking coaching football, has to have to be able to give the player, which is the teachers, the, the, the autonomy to say, hey, look, I know this is what we went through all week. But it, but remember, sometimes you may see X. If you see X, I'm cool with you changing and going to the other side of the field. And then let's come back and talk about it. Let's correct. Let's, let, I'm not. I, want, I might ask you some questions about why you yeah. audible. Right? Yeah. I might yeah. I might be curious to know. I might want to look at other options with you in the future. So right. don't get annoyed at me for asking. Right. Right. I'm right. the coach. The coach yeah. is allowed to do that. Right. Yeah. But the confidence has to be in you. Right. That you have the ability to get to that line of scrimmage and be like, you know what? I know I was supposed to teach three plus three today, right. but these kids need to learn a lesson on how to be kind to each other right yeah. now. And, and that's they, what and I'm going to do. They, for and the they have to, and they have to be able to, and, and, and the player slash teacher has to be able to know that they have that kind of support. Because see, in some cases, think yeah, about right. it, athletics. As soon as you do something opposite of what the coach say, that's right. That's right. Then you head up in that right. hallway and then meetings. Right. And I'm finna, I'm finna embarrass you in front of the the, 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 the students. I'm finna embarrass you in front of the janitors. I'm finna, I'm finna embarrass you in front of the faculty meeting. Everybody versus, hey, look, when you get some chance, come by my office. I want to, uh, you know, I inquire right. about. It. You know, so the confidence you you have to have the confidence. It has sometimes has to be an innate ability to have that confidence but i think sometimes it's strengthened when you know you have leadership correct that that, that is not going to put you on blast that's going to understand the dynamics and see I, I i heard that a lot in education or i have heard it a lot in education since i've been in education how sometimes you know leaders you know you hear teachers say now you know they, they've been so far removed from the class they just don't forget they don't forget i heard that so much while i was in the classroom now that I'm in the administration, I try to remind myself, don't get to a point where you done forgot about what it was like being in the classroom, what it was like right. with having the curriculum That's coordinator. Right. That's right. What was it like when you, how did you feel? What's it like being the one who gets tackled? Yeah. You're yeah. standing on the <laughs> sideline and I'm getting tackled, right? So yeah. like, it's easy to stand on the sideline. It's another thing to get hit. That's the piece that all of us, that everybody needs to remember. And, and that's why the teacher in my opinion, gets the final say, right? The teacher yeah. in the classroom gets the final say. And if they believe that kids need to learn something and it's not what they're supposed to be doing, go hard in that direction and don't yeah. hesitate. Like in sports, sometimes the kid, sometimes we don't even audible, right? So sometimes you run the play and the running back gets the ball and they take one step left and it's supposed to go left. We planned it to go left. It yeah. went left all week. And there's four guys in the backfield. You don't have time to ask permission. Excuse me, coach. Can, can I come back? No, right? <laughs> the reality is when one lane closes, another one opens. The question is you fast enough to see it and hit it. Right. Right. And, because and that's you have the, the truth, right? Yeah. Right. Sometimes teachers will say something to me like, these kids are so disrespectful. I can't teach. Like I'll hear, that's something mm. that they will say to me. And right. I'll say, well, let me just call time out. Is it they're so disrespectful that you can't teach or is it so disrespectful that you can't teach math? Right. Because teaching is teaching is every day, every day, Correct. every day, every because day. The minute they take away your math lesson, there's a lesson on how to be respectful. 
right? Yeah. There's a lesson on how to be kind. There's a lesson on how to say please and thank you. Good There's point. a lesson. Here's one of my favorites. There's a lesson on how to act interested when you're bored out of your mind. What a skill to teach my special ed kids. That was the number one thing that I taught them. I would say to them all the time, nobody cares that you're bored. You're allowed to be bored. You oh, can yeah. be miserable. You can be yeah. bored. But my kids were the ones who had to show everybody how bored they were, right? They yeah, had to yeah. put their head down uh, and roll their Moaning, moaning wrong. This is so stupid and whatever. And I would say, that's what's getting you in trouble. Fake it. Yeah, Look at yeah, the teacher yeah. while she's teaching and go like this. <laughs> that's all you got to do. Smiling. You don't need to know yeah. what she's talking about. Yeah. Just go like this. Us teachers, we love the kids who go like this, right? Oh, yeah. We feel like we're doing, we're doing something. We're winning. <laughs> they make us feel good about themselves. Listen, man, these 45-minute blocks go quick. Anything that man, you want to leave people with? Man, look, one, one thing that, that for those of uh, your, your listeners and, and the people that follow you, I, I would really want them to just to know that anything that you believe that you can do, you can do. And that's something that from age 1 to 99, I saw a, a, a young man at the age of 101 go back and get his GED that he didn't get because he got he got he got literally got kicked out of high school. And at an age of 101, he went back and got his GED. Here's a and I'm talking about in the, in the age of technology when he had to wind up going. Some of it was online. He did some. But he went back. The, the, the matter of the, the whole point is, if you believe that it's something that you want to do, you can do it. No question about it. I think that's the message that we're always sending to kids. And not only can you do it, but I'm going to show you a little bit of a path to it, right? Like even the most crazy things. Like I remember when kids would tell me they were going to be professional. I'm going to be a professional basketball player. And I'd be thinking, bro, you can't beat me one-on-one. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know what I would do instead? I would say, listen, come here. Maybe you will be a pro basketball player and God bless you. I hope you are. But if you're not, I wanted you to see, I brought you this book on becoming a basketball referee. I don't know if that's ever interested you or not. And the reality is even if you become a pro player, you got to know all the rules anyway. So you might think about being a ref. Because yeah. being a ref is pretty cool. You could do like CYO games, like the, the little kid. You could do yeah. like ten, like eight in a day. You get like 30 bucks a game, right? So think yeah. about, let's do the math real quick. 30 times eight, how much you make in there, right? 240 yeah. bucks, that's not bad. And you're around basketball all day, all day. right? All day. How cool is that? And then you could graduate from that to do with like JV games. And then you get to varsity, you're making a few hundred bucks a game. That's you get true. to like D3, it's a thousand a game minimum, right? And you yep. get your travel, man. There's there, look at the guys in the final four, right? They're making like oh, 10 yeah. grand or oh, something yeah, like yeah. that they for one man, game, right? Man, so they're like, killing it. I don't think it's my job to kill a kid's dream. I no. do think it's my job to be realistic with them, though, and point them whatever they want to do or whatever they want to be, even if their thought is, I'm going to be the star. Maybe, maybe not, but let me show you 50 other people that work behind that star. Those are something that's possible as well. Just so you get the kid thinking in multiple directions within the same world. Right, right. It's a a teaching moment, just like we said earlier. Hey, every every opportunity, you get opportunity to teach, let's teach. That's it. I knew this would be great, man. Listen, thank you so much for joining me. You're the best. (laughs) I'm excited to see you this week. Hey, man, let's, hey, Monday is going to be a, a, we got you lined up for Monday, man. I put together a schedule for you. Man, we're going to see some teachers. We're going to see some kids. I got some time set aside so you can, you can, you can build some relationship with some students. The bigger question is, are we going to get some food? 
Oh that's man, the, that's the quest, the real All thing. Hey, right. we, we we got several new spots that I'm popping since eating? you've been here last, man. So you know we're right. gonna get you taken care of. <laughs> I love Louisiana. <laughs> All right, my man, I appreciate it. Listen, everybody else, don't forget to rate, subscribe, review, download. I'll be back with you same time in two weeks. Until then, I say peace. Make it happen. Here. See you guys. Peace. Thanks, everyone.